Welcome to the Total Clarity Podcast. I'm Jesse Hyatt. And I'm Mike Varley, and this is our 10th podcast episode. Ooh, double digits. That's right. We got to celebrate every mile marker. Oh, yeah. That's how we do We love the miles. Yeah. So, yeah, it's our 10th episode and our final episode of our first impressions series on Queens. Yeah, the whole month of... What month has it been? July? Where are we? <laughs> the, whole, the whole month of July 2020, we've been in Queens. And we just finished walking South Queens, which took us from our place all the way out to Far Rockaway and back. Yeah, that's right. So lots of exciting stuff to talk about. And I guess we'll just dive right into it. Sure. Yeah. So we'll go the direction where we start, depart from our house rather than depart from the train station because this week was a train week. Yeah, it was a short train ride. If you look at the map, you can see that we took the train. Well, if you look at the map, you'll see that we were meant to take the train from Van Sicklen back to our place, which is only about two stops on the A or, the, or on the C train. And what we ended up doing was taking it from Grant, which is only two stops on the A train. Yeah. But like Mike said, we're going to talk about going the other way. So we'll end. I just gave you the ending. I just gave away the ending. So this week, many of you may know, was a hot one. It was a hot one. It was the first day of this week was anticipated to be 100 degrees. Mm -hmm. So we decided we were going to get ahead of everything and get up super early. We did. We got up at 3.30 in the morning. We did. We got up at 3.30 in the morning and ultimately left around 4.40 or so. It takes us a little bit to get going. Yeah. Although when you do one of these special days, I actually find it's easier to get up and to get moving faster. Yeah, because it's just a break in the routine. Yeah. And it's the middle of the night, so you're confused a little bit. And I like, I don't know, for me, I know that I have to get up and I know that it's going to be dark and I know that I'm going to be confused. So I just roll with it. Yeah. And then by the time 6 or 6.30 comes when we actually would be fully awake normally. That's sort of still when you're fully awake walking. So like the first two hours of the day walking are just sort of this like dream-like sensation a little bit. It's all different and weird. Yeah. Speaking of confusion, I am going to take a brief detour just because I feel like this is a good enough story to tell. So the last episode we recorded was prior to Jesse's birthday. It was. So this week we have a story involving nighttime confusion. We were staying at an Airbnb oh gosh. for Jesse's birthday <sighs> and we went to bed fairly late the last night because Jesse and I hadn't had any time to be together, just the two of us. And we heard some sort of shower going off in the Airbnb. It was a fairly large house. Yeah, we were, well, we were staying in like the, the, the ground floor, even though it was up some steps, 
like a small apartment. And then there were, it wasn't a large house that we were staying in, but there were other apartments behind it, above us. Yeah. So we just figured, oh, there's people staying above us. They must be getting up early to go to work or something because it was a Sunday night going into Monday. And I don't know, it was strange that it was kind of the middle of the night, someone getting up to take a shower, but we also just figured whatever, that's what these people do here. Yeah. So about 45 minutes later, we were awoken. Well, we were awoken in two separate ways. I was awoken by the ceiling falling on me. Yeah. Because it had turned out that the room immediately next to us, which was marked as private no entry, was where the water boiler was. Yeah. And that shower was, in fact, a blown pipe spraying above our heads. Yeah. So while I was woken up by the ceiling falling on me, Jesse was woken up by the sight of the ceiling falling on me. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't a great way to wake up. We had this beautiful time together. I had just turned 30, entering a new decade. And then the first thing I see in my new year is my boyfriend's face getting crushed by the ceiling. <laughs> Luckily, it was a shitty ceiling. Yeah. It was like foam and those tile sort of like the push-up tile ceilings. Yeah. So it didn't hurt you at all. No. But we got up. I mean, yeah. So waking up in true confusion. Yeah. We and just wet and very, yeah. very strange. Got up. There's two inches of standing water in the entirety of the little apartment that we were staying in. We didn't really know what to do. Called the Airbnb people. They weren't answering. Yeah, it was 5.30 in the morning or yeah. something. Of course, they weren't answering. We knocked on the door of one of the permanent tenants. Yeah, which we thought was maybe the Airbnb host. Turns out it was just a tenant. Yeah. And fortunately, they answered after a little bit. They were very confused. And... They were able to get in touch with the landlord and find a set of keys that enabled them to turn off the water. I mean, at that point, it wasn't really anything to us. We couldn't stay there anymore. Yeah, we had to get out of there. But it was clear that, the, I mean, while the tenant was down there with us on the phone with the landlord, I could kind of tell that the landlord maybe was like, it's fine. I'm out of town. Just like why are you calling me so early in the morning? And that was kind of the impression I got. Yeah. And then as she was on the phone, another piece of the ceiling fell. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this is serious. She needs to know. She needs to fix this. This is a big deal. I'm like freaking out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we got ourselves out of there. No one was hurt. Mike's computer was a, a fear because that had been on the floor. But seems like it's okay. Yeah. We waited a week, let it dry out, and then turned it on, and it turned on, so that's good. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, hopefully they fix their apartment. It's There's no hard feelings. It's not like anyone plans for that. Otherwise, the, the Airbnb was in really nice shape. It didn't seem like there was any sort of, like, bad maintenance. It just seemed no. like one of those freak things that happens. It looked like a poor soldering job on the water boiler pipe for whatever reason. Oh, that's true. There yeah. was. But that I don't I would be hard pressed to believe that that was their maintenance. It's probably sure, somebody yeah. they hired. But yeah. And then we couldn't stay there because the bed was doused in water. And, and there, ceiling. And ceiling was gone. And the, so Jesse drove us home at 6.15 in 
in the morning after having only slept for like two hours. Yeah, if that. She, yeah, two hours, maybe even generous. She was uh, very good. I would have not been able to stay awake. So. You weren't able to stay awake. I kept awake. You were not, your head kept falling. Yes. It was very cute. But out of solidarity, no, I stayed No, you awake. did. It was nice. You stayed awake. I don't know. It was one of those things. I keep cutting to the end of the episode. <laughs> we want to we talk about something we've been watching lately, but this sort of relates in a way. I feel like it was one of those moments where it was just like, okay, I have a job to do. My body does not feel up to this. I don't want to drive us home, but I just need to like power up and make it happen. Yeah. And I somehow was able to focus and I felt kind of fine until I parked the car. And like literally as soon as I parked the car, I just, my battery drained and I needed to go to bed. <laughs> but then we were home. Yeah. So yeah, it was an exciting birthday. It was a great first moment of my 30th year. I was going to say my 30th decade. That's incorrect. <laughs> my third decade of life. Um, yeah, so that's good. that's just related to the idea of getting up early in the morning. Yes. We'll see how many yes. more diversions we have, but <laughs> I felt like that was interesting enough to divert. Sure, sure. Yeah. So anyway, back to our walk this week. We started out getting up real early, like you said. Well, although we did get eight hours of sleep, we went to bed around 8.30 the night before. Maybe we didn't get eight hours. We got seven hours, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we got, we got a lot of sleep. And the we, don't, we live in, you know, an area that's close to Queens, but we actually were, because we were going south, we did spend a little bit longer in Brooklyn than we normally would. Yeah, a little bit. So to get to the Rockaways, and we experienced this when we did the beaches of Brooklyn and Queens because we went to the other part of the Rockaways, that peninsula. We went to the western part of the Rockaways a few mm -hmm. weeks ago. And to get there, we had to walk through a bit of Brooklyn as well. We walked through Brownsville and Canarsie. Yep. And then this week, to get to Far Rockaway, because it's further east, we walk through the remaining part of Bushwick, which is very, very small, and then we walk through East New York, and then we get to Queens after that. Right. So the first day walking through East New York, we, well, we woke up, Mike was thinking that maybe we would see the sunrise on the bridge, right? That was your thought? Yeah, I had this idea that was completely inaccurate. Yeah. That 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 we were close enough that that would happen. I don't even think if we left at 3:30 that would happen. I uh, yeah. It I would have been we would have had to motor. We would have had to run there. Yeah. We don't run. We no, walk. We walk. <laughs> yeah, so so we ended up getting to see the sunrise while we were walking down Liberty Avenue yeah. in East New York. There's a picture of that on Instagram. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But we wanted to talk about this because it was something we talked about that morning. Typically, when we're walking around, it's during the day, it's during daylight, and we're both very comfortable everywhere we go. We've both been in New York for a long time. We are probably, maybe I'm a little bit more sort of 
looking around, making sure I'm safe all the time than you are, Mike. But we're both just aware of our surroundings and aware that we live in a city, aware that there's always, you know, anybody could be around, anything could happen at any moment, but also we're both pretty comfortable being here. And that's part of why we're doing this project because we like where we live. But I had a experience in my mind that I shared with Mike and that I'm gonna share with all of you that I honestly don't feel great about, but I think it's, a, it's an idea and a thought process that probably a lot of people have and that certainly our news media and the way that people talk about different areas of the city sort of casually reinforces over and over. So it was early, it was still dark, and I realized, oh, we're gonna be walking through East New York before the sun rises. And it's just a neighborhood over. We walk over there fairly often, anytime, I mean, our closest post office is over there, my studio used to be over there, but East New York has a bad reputation, if you will. The, if you just look at statistics, it might make people uncomfortable, right? The level of crime and poverty is definitely higher in that area. And just the general idea of sort of a bad neighborhood mm -hmm. sits with East New York. And I started to feel a little bit anxious that we were going to be walking through there so early in the morning. And we had to talk about it, right? Yeah. We talked about it after we had cleared the area later in the day. Jesse had brought up the idea, I think as we were walking, prior to entering the neighborhood, that she said she hadn't thought about the idea that we'd be walking through the area pre-dawn. Right. And I, the thought really hadn't occurred to me that that was even a thing. So I guess my anxiety level raised very slightly, mm. but not to the level where I was, you know, really particularly nervous about it. But yeah, we thought it was important to unpack what all these thoughts were, both why we don't think about it more when we're walking through and why these ideas exist in our society. I mean, it's, we have been asked by different people, you know, what do you think about when you're going through a tough neighborhood or something like that? And we just don't have the same types of thoughts that I think other people have. And it's not that we're unaware of those ideas. No, certainly not. It's just that we spend a lot of time thinking about what it is that could happen and what scenarios could impact us. And many of them are 
things that we feel we are either not going to be the target of or have a good deal of control over to either avoid the situation as it's unfolding in front of us or to diffuse it as it's happening. And then there's a remainder percentage of things that are acts of God, so to speak, which are just anomalous behaviors that could potentially occur in any neighborhood. And those are not things that we're interested in organizing our lives around. Not just this walk, but the idea of living in fear for freak instances. Yeah. Well, I also think that a lot of the reasons that people would call a neighborhood sort of a tough neighborhood or a bad neighborhood, it does have, like I said, it does have to do with crime and poverty. And those are not things that would directly affect us walking through. The things that we're seeing that make you feel a little unsettled maybe is trash on the street, houses that are boarded up, things being sort of disheveled, broken cars, signs of people not being able to fix things or clean things up in in the same way as maybe some other neighborhoods. And yeah, I, I guess it's a complicated topic because I, like I said, I don't feel great that I had that feeling because it's this fear of the unknown when going into an area where people are less better off than you, right? And it's, it's that fear. I don't think, I mean, here we are talking about it, unpacking it. We recognize it right away that it was uncalled for. We still walked through, you know, but it's that fear manifesting, not recognizing it, not interacting with a neighborhood, separating yourself from the neighborhood that I think keeps our society separate and keeps people in places of being unequal. Mm -hmm. And it's something we're talking about as a culture a lot more right now, and I think that's good. But I do think that those feelings that are just sort of forced into us are really important to try to break, break down and break. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you need to hold in awareness these things that you're experiencing. I mean, the reason you had those feelings most likely is because you have heard things about this neighborhood and then you internalize them to some degree. Mm -hmm. And you just have to hold those thoughts and awareness. It doesn't mean that you have to act based on what you've heard. And we just all need to recognize that we're swimming around in this soup of ideas and they can be harmful if we let them be harmful. But that's how they can become harmful. You know, we if they really truly change our actions, you know. And 
it goes both ways insofar as there are people that will be afraid of a certain area because of what they heard on the news, mm -hmm. either specifically about that area or about the types of people that live in that area. Mm -hmm. And then there are people that could live in an area and they internalize what they've heard about their own neighborhood and it impacts them in a negative way where they don't feel good about the area or it impacts them in a perversely prideful way when they you know believe that their neighborhood is the toughest and then they want to exhibit that type of pride towards people that are coming into the area right you know and so you need to be aware of that and res respectful of the area you know both respectful in the way that you should be not defacing or in any way like mocking an area right and also aware in the way of not in a paranoid way but just being aware of things that are going on if it's an area that has people that are disadvantaged in any given way economically uh, emotionally not you know the not getting the care that they need things like that then there is some variance there that i think for people that are being mindful of it you you can navigate a lot of those situations with a degree of empathy you know yes i also think i mean my my personal feeling about it is that i would like to break down my over awareness of even oh this is an area where yeah because we're also walking through plenty of places in queens where i just don't know the history and even in you know we walk through Park Slope or something, you know, an area that has a completely opposite reputation, of course there's still people there that are having a hard time. There's still the chance of anything happening. And I think that's when I started talking about this just now, I was saying, you know, both of us have lived in this city where there's just a lot of people around all the time for a while. And it doesn't matter what neighborhood you're in, you need to have a level of awareness for your own protection and so that you're not walking into people or stepping on stuff or walking into an open manhole or whatever it is. You need to have an awareness of your surroundings when you're in a city. And it really shouldn't matter what neighborhood you're in, how, what that level of awareness is. You should always kind of have an awareness and you should also always recognize that all the people around you are just people and everyone's trying to do their best yeah I and mean. and yeah and i think um yeah i guess just keep i would like to just keep calling myself out when i find myself feeling that way and i mean i guess <laughs> we didn't have to talk about it here right it's not like it's not like we did something we we didn't take any action that was negative based on these thoughts but people do take actions that are negative based on these types of thoughts frequently 
So for me, I just wanted to share that I was having those thoughts and that I wanted to work through it in hopes that maybe other people can try and do the same. Yeah. And as a society, we can try and do the same. Yeah. And we're probably going to go through other neighborhoods where we'll feel similarly. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is also so close to where our neighborhood is. I think it might even be on the milder side of feeling these anxieties because we're so close. Yeah. Well, the other thing about it is just awareness of where we where you are right so i felt perfectly fine for the first half of our walk through east new york because i knew where we were it was close to where we go to the post office it was close to the long island railroad it was close to where my old studio used to be it was only once we got further in that my anxiety rose a little bit more because i wasn't familiar with the streets and I didn't know which street goes which way and which street's big and which street's small and where the residential houses are and where the commercial buildings are and where there's more traffic and where there's not, you know, so we didn't walk again the rest of the week that early, but even if we had, I think by the second day or the third day or the fourth day, those anxieties naturally would go down too because you start to recognize okay so like this corner there's a park and the next corner there's a warehouse and i saw that guy unloading a truck the other day and he'll be there again and you start to feel comfortable and familiar with the neighborhood and that's anywhere right even when we moved in to our apartment four years ago i didn't have feelings of anxiety or fear, but I just, you become more familiar with your surroundings and you get to know the neighborhood and... Yeah. I mean, it's not just a thing of surroundings. I just think the idea, familiarity at a high level, doesn't matter if it's a stranger or a location. That's the thing that creates the anxiety that can lead to fear, that can lead to bad actions. Yeah. And also, that's why I think it's important when walking through an unfamiliar place to have that in awareness because the fear works on both sides. It not only works on internally, but once you express fear externally, then people start behaving in different patterns as they respond to someone else's fear. Sure. So, yeah. you know, we're, I think with the great thing about this project, one of the great things is that it really demonstrates that how fluid this location is, how fluid New York City is, that this idea that there are neighborhoods that have these very hardwired personalities is based on people compartmentalizing within their heads and not the actual reality. Mm -hmm. Because it's not Mm -hmm. like we crossed over a certain street and all of a sudden I felt like some sort of like, you know, you know, it, it was just another movement through another area and going through that there was people going to work there were there was one person that was in a walker seated walker Mm -hmm. that looked like he was kind of messed up 
he but he may it, have just no, been he just seemed tired it seemed like it was either the end of his night or the beginning of his day and it was 4 it was, 30 in the morning it was not his walker it didn't no it definitely like... wasn't his walker he was a young guy yeah yeah and but he, he seemed had, tired he was he had something in it i think he was drinking something but i don't it wasn't explicitly like a labeled thing no it was in a i think he was drinking out of a water bottle yeah i assumed it was either gatorade or yeah water Anyway, we said hello. He didn't say anything no, to him. I, I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't say hello at that time in the morning anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there just wasn't really that much to be alarmed about no, on, a, there on a Monday morning. There weren't know. many people out. But I, to be honest, I think that's where my fear came from was there weren't many people out. Yeah. And it's the, the thought of, okay, well, if there's no one out, but then if one person wants to do something, then there's no one to witness that. Yeah. And But that's totally, it's fully just anxiety and it comes from hearing news that makes you scared. It comes from watching movies where that happens. It doesn't come from the lived experience of walking around New York and interacting with people when that is 99.9% positive interactions that both you and I have had. Positive or neutral. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. It's yeah. so far and few in between to have a really negative interaction with someone. Yeah. So there's really no need for all those feelings. Yeah. And to wrap this section up, you know, we are putting ourselves out there day after day, week after week. It's not unreasonable to think that something could happen that's a negative experience that we'll have to process at some point. Yeah. So I I guess I do. The only thing that makes me feel anxious about talking about this topic is to think that we would be putting ourselves out too far in the altruistic direction and then have something happen to us. You know, like that's but that's more like a knock on wood, you know, like. Uh, superstitious perspective. Yeah. I, I ultimately feel very confident in the how we are handling this and also what our perspective is on the situation. And I mean, I don't know what a scenario would present itself that would make me feel differently, but I feel pretty good about, you know, how I feel right now. Yeah. And I'm I'm still not saying, I don't think in any neighborhood at all if we're walking at 4 30 in the morning we should be closing our eyes or sitting down somewhere or wandering around looking like baby deer looking right. for where you know we should still know where we're going we should know where we are we should still be aware of our surroundings we're not going to be stupid yeah i don't think it's good to be stupid but there's a balance between you don't have to be scared to not be stupid. Yeah. You know, it's not the same thing. And yeah. I think we often, as a society, put those two things together and think it's stupid to walk through a neighborhood that has a bad rap. But that's not true. It's actually stupid to give a neighborhood a bad rap and then not walk through it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just have to always know where you are, be aware, and be like, be figuring out how you're feeling and and recognizing when it's not 
necessary and when you're being overly upset. Yeah. And if an, a neighborhood has a bad rap or a bad rep, I think both can work, you would... Oh, yeah, rep, probably. <laughs> well, you get a bad rap. I think both work. Okay. The idea is that if, if those things are happening, those are the first neighborhoods we should be looking at to figure out, like, okay, well, how can we improve this situation? Because that doesn't just impact the people that live there. That impacts the entire city. Mm-hmm. That, that's mm-hmm. not something that we as citizens of New York should be comfortable with. Right. Like, that's unacceptable. We yeah. should be making this place good for everyone because it makes everything good for everyone. It's yeah. not just, it's not like just ha- helping one isolated area that you don't go to. I mean, this city prides itself on being a walking city more than any other city in the country. Right. So then let's make it so that you can walk everywhere without yeah, it being an issue. Totally. And not by, just to clarify, I feel like that's kind of, that could get twisted into gentrification, right? It's not about making the neighborhood better. It's about recognizing it's fine. No. And, mean- and, and there are things that could be, I mean, if the schools need help, let's help the schools. If it's a food desert, let's get the, some food into that neighborhood. If there's like social things that are needed, that's kind of a thing that could change in the neighborhood. If, if there needs to be more help cleaning up trash on the street, maybe some people can help clean up trash on the street. Stuff like that could happen. But otherwise, also just recognizing that it's not, it doesn't have to be this scary place. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this untouched, we don't go there kind of thing. Yeah. No, you identify community leaders and give them the attention necessary to, to hear them, to yeah. find out what they need. And then a combination of giving resources and diverting, either increasing resources, diverting resources, but also just time and attention is often enough to get things moving too. Yeah. You know, if you can if you can make a community feel like they're being heard, then they can respond with their own energy to start jump starting things on their end. Because right. that's the what the real change is gonna be. Not from people coming externally, like gentrification certainly. Yeah. But just it it is empowering people within their own areas. Yeah. And you do that through making it evident to them that there's support and care on the other side. Yeah. So maybe we'll find, I'm sure there's people that are doing that too. I know for sure I've talked to people that are working within even just the communities nearby here that are working to do things like what we just talked about. Yeah. Yeah, it's really sexy work. Maybe the next time we're in there, we we can bring it up and... Yeah share about it yeah anyway that's east so that's east New that's York a half hour week. on brooklyn <laughs> <laughs> in our south queens walk. In our south queens walk but <laughs> so from there we hit north conduit avenue well north and south conduit avenue which is a really interesting road for me i found it interesting it i i, I meant to look up like how far it stretches so mm. um but the the interesting part about it is not necessarily the length. It's that it's a pretty main thoroughfare that has this big section of 
greenery in between the North Conduit and mm -hmm. the South Conduit Avenue. Now, I did take some video. I didn't mention this at the top, but on for those on YouTube, you may have already noticed a minute or so of East New York footage. I have some, or we have some uh, North and South Conduit footage as well. Rather than do the entire YouTube video in walk footage, we're doing interview with some sprinkling of, uh, you know, uh, walk footage. So for the middle of the Conduit Avenues, there's this section of greenery, has a lot of trees in some points, has open greenery expanse, just like grass at other points. And I kept noticing each day that we pass it, how kind of one beautiful it is, I, you know, like there's the trees are big enough that it obscures things and it feels like a little bit of a forest. There's also some problems with trash there where like people have set up beds and things like that. It felt like something like you could have a, an art installation there or something like you could, the city could sponsor some sort of like sculpture things mm -hmm. there. And, but the, I think the most important or most interesting thing to me was these pathways that had been formed by people going across this expanse that had appeared organically. Mm -hmm. And especially on these hot days that we had for most of the week, just watching people pass back and forth, it felt like kind of cinematic and also like very much people claiming ownership over their space. Yeah. Yeah. At one point walking down there, there was a group of young boys. It looked like they were carrying a basketball, I think. It looked like they were going from the park across. It was a really long distance too across to where there was a shopping center. So wherever they, whatever they were going to get. But totally, it was like this path that just happened to be across from the park, probably because of young people that use that park, wanting to go to that shopping center frequently. Yeah. And yeah, it was just, it seemed like it was sort of a personal path for that community. Yeah. It instantly made me think about memories, how, how memories are made in childhood and things like that. And I could imagine if I grew up there, like having a very strong impression of crossing back and forth over that mm. expanse. Mm -hmm. I would say maybe, you know, it, it would fluctuate, but anywhere between like 20 and 50 yards is how big this strip is for people that, uh, use yardage i think actually that spot from the park to the shopping center was more than 100 yards you think I'd so? say almost 200 yards i don't think so okay well i ran track so i actually use yards okay maybe it was <laughs> but i also don't have like the best distance i mean barometer. ultimately the point is that it is not just a median in a highway you know it is a significant amount of green and it creates a environment that is different from anywhere else that we've seen in the city right and ultimately a unique character to that area and i think i think it's cool and maybe there'll be more of that around i hope that we get to see something similar uh, throughout the rest of the city but if we not if we don't it'll just be a unique 
uh, characteristic of that part. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice little, it's a nice area. I mean, it, I think it's, it's nice too because there's sort of neighborhoods on either side of the street, but it is a main, it's almost a highway. Yeah. So that having that green area in the center breaks up the lanes of the highway really nicely. Yeah. So we're on that for a little bit, and then we intersect Cross Bay Boulevard. Yes. And that takes us quite a distance down into South Queens. Yeah. Yeah, and Cross Bay Boulevard is, is a main road. I wouldn't call that a highway either. I mean, it's a boulevard. Yeah. It's a big, big road. Yeah. It's either four or six lanes. Mm-hmm. And probably six. I don't know. I don't and then it, it has a number of avenues that are store, like big stores and catering halls. Uh-huh. And I don't know, just... Not really walker friendly to get across the streets. I mean, you can certainly, but it's yeah. not. It's not intended to be a, you know, a, a boulevard for walking. It doesn't seem like it. No, I mean the sidewalks were well maintained and pretty big, but it didn't seem like they were expecting people to be walking the distances that we're walking. It seemed <laughs> like it seems like a driving area. Yeah. At that point, we're in. Ozone Park, right? And we're walking over towards Broad Channel. Yeah. I, and those are definitely areas where people have driveways and the stores have parking lots. And yeah, I mean, it's a four or six lane road. So certainly caters to driving. Yeah. And so at that point, we encounter our first bridge. Yeah. Which is the Cross Bay Bridge. It is. And that is a very unique area. <laughs> it has a lot of fishing on it. Mm-hmm. On and, it and under it. And under it, yes. And a lot of trash on it. Yeah. In fact, definitely by far the most trash I've seen on a bridge to date. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think I've seen more trash than that on a bridge. Yeah. And there's another bridge on the route, which we'll get to in a second, that we actually got, we crossed in week two when we Mm -hmm. did the beaches of BK and Queens. That not only doesn't have any trash on it, but doesn't have any fishermen on it. And I'm not sure what it is about the Cross Bay Bridge that attracts so many fishermen, but... That is, if not the entirety of the trash, it is a majority of the trash is a consequence of the fishing. Yeah, it seems really, it's really disappointing. I felt very disappointed by that because there's seaweed, which that's fine. That's natural material that's going to blow away. And the, the option for that is just to pick it up and throw it back in the bay right there but there's fish tail like little bait tails of fish like fish carcasses up there there's also the lunches of the fishermen there's fishing line there's hooks 
There's all sorts of stuff that's clearly just the trash of the people that are fishing. And I don't understand if you're carrying in and out your poles, you're carrying in and out probably buckets and bait and tackle and all this stuff. Why can't you just carry in and out your trash? Yeah, it definitely seemed like an area that was ripe for a yearly garbage collection event. I thought about that a lot because yeah. it's close to, you know, on the other side of the bridge is Broad Channel. And that seems to have a lot of community pride in it. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like an event that would naturally, you know, once a year. And maybe this already happens. Who knows? I, you know, but or periodically there would be an event where, you know, you meet at nine, you clean up for four hours and a local deli hosts like, uh, you know, lunch and you get a local dump truck company to take the garbage away and then. Honestly, if that becomes a habit, probably going to be less garbage overall because people will mm. be aware. I think that's what really makes it so that people are less inclined to take their garbage is that they see an environment already filled with garbage and they don't care as much. Sure, of course. I also think it could be a nice place for a garbage can. There are, I think there's one garbage can at each ends of things. Yeah. And also, I don't know how it's a sticky area to collect garbage. That's true, because it's such a big road. Well, it, in order for a garbage person to collect garbage there, they would either need to stop at the start of the bridge, have somebody walk up the ramp, and then walk down back with the garbage, or stop in the middle of the road, have the garbage person hop the median mm. and pick up the garbage. It's, it's difficult. But as you can see from the video, there are little there all along there so it, there's the road and then there's a a walkway and then there's a chain link fence and then there's a walkway that's closer to the edge of the water and on the chain link fence that divides the walkway closer to the road and the walkway closer to the water there are bag remnants you know like uh convenience store bags where presumably people have their day's garbage in there, tie them up and just leave them. Yeah. And then either through the course of nature, or it seems more likely to me based on some observation of the bag remnants, it looks like they get cut off and then maybe thrown out at some point. There are just I'm, hundreds of these bag remnant ties on yeah. the chain link fences as well which would be very tedious to clean up too. And you know, yeah. now that we're in the pandemic era right now, I'm sure nobody wants to touch anybody's garbage. Right, so, no. It's, so maybe this is a future idea, but it also even more reason for not leaving your trash on the bridge. No one wants to clean up after you, just clean up after yourself, come on. Yeah. We're all trying to be cleaner. We're all trying to like wash our hands and keep our germs away from each other. Just don't leave your weird fish trash on the bridge. Yeah. So I we noticed that there were these, I don't know, plaster bucket tops or these big, you know, the, the drum buckets, the plastic drum buckets. And somebody had zip tied these things to the chain link fence and written different little inspirational sayings <laughs> about how you shouldn't throw out your garbage and 
the reason that the fish have mercury is because you're treating the planet <gasps> like trash and like, yeah. you know, just trying to get people to be more conscious that if you're sportsmen and sportswomen and you enjoy fishing, that you should be more aware of your leavings. I agree. I also think so much of fishing is just standing there and waiting for the fish to bite. And while you're standing there and waiting, couldn't you pack up your trash? <laughs> right. I have a lot of problems. I have a lot to say about this, I guess. I have a lot yeah. of issues with this. But, uh, so taking aside the garbage, the views on both sides are beautiful. Oh, depending yeah, it's on, great. Depending on if you're going down towards Broad Channel, on the left side of the road, there's a beautiful view of the A train that's going back and forth, as well as uh, the airport. Yeah, it actually is beautiful. It's like I'm laughing because you're saying it's a beautiful view of the A train, and that you wouldn't think that that's that you mean that, but it, <laughs> it really is. It's really nice. Yeah, it has its own bridge that you can see it going across the water yeah. from far away. And then on the right side. There is a view of the city and more of the Jamaica Bay Preserve, mm -hmm. and that's also very nice. Yeah, and and it is cool to see the people fishing. There's people with poles. There's people down in the water with nets. There's people that throw some kind of trap. Yeah, down with ropes and tie those up. Yeah, it is very cool to see. Yeah. So the second day that of the walk, Jesse was at her studio, and I was walking by myself. And I got on the bridge, and right when the first instance of the chain link fence and the dual walkways happens, I could see from about 100 yards away or so, there was a man there fishing. He was doing the angled push-ups, you know, where you like, uh, instead of going the full-on push-ups where you're like up against a structure, he was doing them in rapid succession up against the concrete median that separated him from the cars. And then he would go back and check some poles and then he'd come back and do another exercise. And I could see him doing this in repetition every 10 or 15 seconds. So immediately I knew uh, I need to keep my hands free. I don't know what's going to, going to happen with this guy, but I put my phone away, just make sure that I can give my full attention to whatever <laughs> this guy is doing. And so I'm getting closer. I'm noticing as he's doing more of his exercise, he's dressed only in boxer briefs, red boxer briefs. He's shirtless with an enormous belly, like a, a disproportionate belly. He looks in all other respects fairly like muscular, but has this, you know, larger than basketball size stomach. Yeah. And I'm getting close to the point where I'm going to encounter him. And so I say, hey, when I'm about two, two, three feet away, because of the nature of how this road is set up, he's tucked in the corner with his poles and then the fence is there and then the, the walkway closer to the road is there. So I can't see him. As I say, hey, I kick a large volume of trash. So there's a loud noise and a little bit of confusion. And as I'm doing that, he pops his head out from his corner where the poles are and goes, I got a fish, come help me. <laughs> so literally the next second, I have a pole in my hand and I'm reeling and I he's, he, he's pulling up the line 
and he's going, I think it's a bluefish. No, no, it's a flounder. No, no, it's a, it's a, it's a fluke. It's a, no, it's a bunker. These are all very different fish. <laughs> this is not like a, you know, a game of like slight comparisons. He is naming every fish that he knows and I'm reeling and there's no resistance at all, which is, you know, as I'm reeling, I'm, I'm a little baffled because like I'm thinking that there should be a fight on this fish. So I'm, I can't see over the edge. He's pulling things up and I'm starting to wonder like, is he screwing with me? But also like, I don't want to fuck this up for him. So I keep reeling. Ultimately, I, you know, later I think I realize that we're 40 feet above the water at least. There's no fight because I'm just reeling in yeah. dead weight. Yeah, because when you feel a fight, it's the fish like in the water yeah. giving resistance. Yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, I'm I'm reeling, and then like there's so much slack because he's pulling up. I'm afraid I'm gonna jam the reel, but like I don't want to stop either. And I'm handling this, you know, crazy, you know, boxer briefed, <laughs> beer bellied man's rod during a pandemic i'm like yeah, all these things are going be, yeah all these things are going through my head but also like he is super excited so we're gonna support whatever this is and finally he gets the fish up there is a fish it ends up being a bunker it's about 12 or 18 inches big and he is so excited about having this fish the fish is side hooked so it is bloodied yeah. up and he he's like yeah yo yeah i think it's a bunker i think it's a bunker yeah oh this is great yeah yeah oh what do you think i should do with it you think I, it's pretty it's pretty bloody you think i should you should cut it up for bait you think i should i could use its belly and i was like yeah i don't know man yeah yeah it sounds good this is this is good and he he was i think he was just really happy to have the company yeah and to have somebody to like share Witness his fish catch the, yeah yeah i mean i'm surprised that you know i you would think waiting there all day you would want to reel it in yourself at the final <laughs> end but apparently not and so i asked him to take his photo and there was very very slight hesitation but he agreed uh i took several photos so i have that documentation of it i didn't ask if i could you know reproduce it anywhere so yeah i don't know if it'll ever be public or anything like that but we uh we fist pounded and then i said goodbye and i expected to see him some day during the week but yeah no it never, never there again never happened again yeah and it i mean it makes me think about how the timing on all of these things everything that we experience while we're on the while we're on these walks is so crazily cosmic on its time frame like any one of, I could have stopped and tied my shoes and that would not have been an experience. Yeah. Or I could have taken an extra minute at home and that wouldn't have been an experience. Or certainly if we had been together that day, that would not Probably have happened not. because yeah. we would not have been on the same time frame. Right. And all of these things that just happen for an instant and then never happen again. You know? Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. So, yeah. It's we, a crazy story. Yeah. I'm glad it happened. Yeah. So we fist bumped and then I, I walked 50 feet away and then hand sanitized. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you I'm sure you washed your hands like crazy after yeah. all of that. <laughs> so from there, we go on to the Jamaica Bay Preserve area. Mm -hmm. Which we've been to before. And yeah. we will not be at again now. This is our last time there. Yeah. 
this is the for last the, time the walks for at the least. walks we will probably go back at another time in our lives because it's a really nice place yeah we had not gone to the section of the preserve between the bridge and the ranger station right that section there is a very long stretch of fencing and greenery that feels very much like somewhere in upstate New York or New England and less like somewhere in New York. And we most days we walked it back and forth each day. So there was uh, f probably four or five miles each day that was just on this straightaway. Mm -hmm. And the sun and the heat were something that was very memorable about that point. Yeah, there's not a lot of, even though there's a lot of greenery and a lot of trees, for, I guess, based on the time of the day where that is, the sun is kind of up in the sky. Yeah. And even if it's not, it's, the trees are on the edges, so they're not, it's not the same as, usually there's street trees that are giving you shade. Mm-hmm. And, and buildings, mm -hmm. but this is, there's such a wide space. I think the shadow doesn't really ever cover the walkway. Yeah. I think this is a good time to talk about weather in general. This week was really an interesting experience with the weather. And I don't think it would have been as interesting had it not been for the last day of this week, which was very cloudy. Mm -hmm. And we had a little bit of rain in the AM and it was something like 79 or 80 degrees. Yeah, it was pleasant. Toward the end of the day, the sun came out again and it got a little more uncomfortable. But the other days of the week, it's really interesting to me to see how starting early in the morning and also not having any experience with temperature change really acclimates the body to what's going on on any given day. The temperatures of where the real feel is in excess of 100 degrees, mm -hmm. I get, or I, I mean, this is my experience, so I don't know. I got used to it. It, it didn't really feel like a great heartache. I mean, it was uncomfortable, mm -hmm. I guess, but not something that was not possible to handle. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. As long as I, I, I was more aware to drink a lot of water mm -hmm. on those days, especially if I could feel myself sweating a lot. Yeah. But even if I couldn't, even if I wasn't really sweating, I was still trying to drink a lot of water and Gatorade, just knowing that the heat was hitting me. Yeah. And I think not pushing myself to move too fast, too, was important. Mm. Letting, not being lethargic, but sort of, being a little more in touch with not wanting to push it. Yeah. I think that it really brought me into greater understanding with why our body sweats. My I sweat a lot mm -hmm. to begin with. And, you know, they say that the idea that you sweat is in order to cool yourself. Mm -hmm. And... It makes a lot more sense after spending so much time out in the day because you, when you're out more in the heat, 
you realize that there's still wind happening. Right. You know, you think about wind under normal circumstances as something that only happens when it's cold. But that's not the case. It is windy all year round. Sure. But when you're hot, you don't feel it unless you're completely covered in a <laughs> veneer of sweat. Yeah, then the wind feels nice and cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the experience that I have where you could actually almost get like a shiver despite it being so hot. Yeah. Because you are covered in this thin layer of water. Yeah, it's true. So what's the difference between a wind and a breeze? Because well, I'm serious because, you know, a breeze feels cool even when you're not sweating. But the wind feels hot if you're not sweating in the summer. Mm -hmm. but, if the, but the wind feels cool if you are sweating in the summer. Mm -hmm. What's the deal? I don't Do you know. know? The difference between wind and breeze. I mean, it sounds like a semantic difference. I don't know. We're going to have to look it up. We'll have, we'll, maybe we'll have some facts later or another day or something. <laughs> so, yeah, I, people talk to me and be like, I can't believe you can go out and do that and be out there. But I think it, it really helps to get started early in the day. Yeah. Because then you can ramp up along with the weather. Yes. I, the day that we started before the sun rose, was especially nice. It was almost cold when we started because it yeah. was dark out. Yeah. Then we were really moving along with the sun. Yeah. But we were also done right around the hottest part of the day. Yeah. Yeah. But even on the days when we start just after sunrise, like you said, it's not as hot in the beginning of the day. So we're sort of no. moving and getting our bodies moving and everything's heating up together. Yeah. And so also we made this purchase several weeks ago of an air conditioner that's portable in order to have it primarily for this room. Yeah. Because we didn't want to have guests or we didn't ourselves want to sweat profusely when the lights are all on. And I, I'm, I'm sure I'm a little bit uh, glistening right now for anybody listening on YouTube. Uh, or watching on YouTube, but when we we did an episode like six weeks ago or something, and I was so hot, and there's no way that it was hotter back then. Like, oh, that's a good point. I I yeah. think that there I know now when like it ends up that we bought this air conditioner and it's a nice air conditioner. And it's cool that it can roll around, but we come home now and I just don't feel the need for it in the same way as maybe I would have in past years, it mm. feels cooler in the house than it does when we're outside. Yes, we're also spending our days with the weather. Yeah. Right, as opposed to in some sort of air-conditioned vessel. Yeah. As we would be otherwise. Yeah. I've heard that if you don't use an air conditioner, your body just regulates itself. Yeah. Now, don't get us wrong. We use it for bed. I mean, it's nice. Yeah, I have a hard time sleeping without it when it's really hot. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see how the body can adapt to these situations. Yeah. This is a bit of a tangent, but I remember when I was a waitress, these older people would come in sometimes. And on the hottest day of the summer, they'd ask for hot tea. 
Mm-hmm. And I'd always, I always thought maybe they were confused <laughs> and they wanted iced tea, but they would insist, no, hot tea is good for the hot day because you have to match your inside temperature to the outside temperature so that you don't feel the heat. <laughs> sure. I don't know if they were on to something or if they were on something, but <laughs> it seemed to work for them. Yeah. I've never tried it. Yeah. Well, they were on hot tea. They were definitely on hot tea, if nothing else. Yeah. So that's that area. We'd stop every day at the Jamaica Wildlife Preserve. Yeah. Oh, and we saw, we didn't see this before because we were on the other side. There's a big nest on that road. Yeah. Up at the top above the trees, there's a big pole and there's a huge nest. It's like... There's no way it's that big. I think it is. It's not. I think it would be big enough for us to sit in. It is not. <laughs> I guarantee it is not the size. It's not six. You're, you're making a six foot nest. I am. It is not that I big. I think it might be. No. It was really high up and it looked big. Yes. There's no way big. we're ever going to know. I am standing by this. I was, It was a six foot nest. It was a big nest. And then there was a big bird. That was standing on another pole up there. Yeah, kind there of, we asked our friend Tim. He knows about birds. There was what an kind of osprey. Bird was that? An osprey. Yeah, but the six-foot nest. Yeah, there are mythical birds that live in the Jamaica Bay Preserve. <laughs> the phoenix is actually nesting there right now. It's a big nest. I know you're trying to tease me here, but it was it was a big ass nest. Um, if anyone knows about the birds in Jamaica Bay and knows how big that nest is, <laughs> we'd love a fact check. <laughs> The, yeah, so we stopped at the preserve, which has fantastic bathrooms. Good bathrooms. It's like the bathrooms at the library that you go to as a child. <laughs> From there, we go down into Broad Channel. Broad Channel was an area that we visited in week two. Mm-hmm. So we got to see it again. We saw a little bit more of the top portion because in week two, we got on the Broad Channel train stop every day. Right. And so that's an area that is solidly white blue collar Mm -hmm. it has a decent enough bagel place down there i like it because it had gluten-free bagels it did have gluten-free bagels it is the bagels don't have toppings on the bottom it's the everything is only covered on the top the also there was some issues with the staff coughing and not wearing their mask properly. Oh, yeah. I don't really want to share that, though, because that's like now the bagel place is going to get sued or something. They're not going to get sued. I didn't even name the bagel place. It could be any bagel place. There's only one bagel place on Broad Channel that has gluten-free bagels. What was nice about it is they have classic rock playing and some outdoor seating. So you can listen to some classic rock while you uh, eat your bagel. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And they also... I told them that they were, I told them off and they listened. You did. I was nice about it. I was very nice about it, but they listened. They complied. So that's good. So yeah, it was, again, going through that area twice a day. And this will be the last time we go through there in a while. It is interesting that between there and Howard Beach, which we go through later, there is, and, and old Howard Beach too, there's this definite uh, 
middle-class white enclave down there. Yeah, it feels kind of similar to the Breezy Point vibe that we felt on the beaches week, to me at least. There's boats, there's lots of essential worker signs, there's those cop flags, the American flag with the blue line through it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is definitely, it has that blue collar vibe. I feel like Breezy Point has more of the exclusivity thing. Right, right. You know, naturally. Right, the Broad Channel, we could walk, that, that's not a closed community, so yeah. there's certainly that difference, yeah. yeah. And there's also this vibe that comes with all beach towns, I think, something I was thinking about a lot, the kind of beach bum Jimmy Buffett thing, where yeah. there are people that, I think just live seasonally. You know, they they get their job and they make sure that they have the amount of money that they need to carry on. And then a lot of the other times they're just living easy. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I, you know, living easy is an expression. It might be very difficult for how <laughs> they live. But as far as there's not, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of drive to do anything but just exist, mm -hmm. which is one of those kind of circle of life, you know, like things where it's like these people, two people who live this way have something over the rest of society in some way where it's like, you know, this is just how I live and this is how it is. And I'm going to take things at my own speed. And I think there's something about having access to the ocean and the oceanic feeling and the the perspective of insignificance mm. that allows people to feel unburdened to do that and also have a nice time because you're by the water all the time. Did you feel that in Broad Channel or did you feel that in when we get out to the Rockaways? I think that there are people walking through Broad Channel that have that. Oh, okay. oh maybe, yeah, some of the people walking through. Yeah. I didn't get that vibe from any of the people that I noticed in there. It's not home area though. It's when not I possible people... to have everybody be like that. No, of course. Because it's of just course. there's no way for a society exclusively like that to right. I guess exist I guess at I the level assume... that uh, is necessary to live in New York City. I think yeah. maybe if you go to more remote parts of the world, you can kind of live even more subsistence way. Right. I guess I just assumed when I saw when I noticed the sort of beach bum hippie vibe people biking through or walking through I just kind of assumed they were passing through I didn't think that maybe they were from broad channel because broad channel to me gave off more of the blue collar sort of it's almost the exact opposite Mm -hmm. Which is interesting because it's also, these people are also by the beach and have the boats and have the opportunity to look out over the ocean and realize how unimportant all this stuff is. Yeah. But it's very much, it seems very important. I think it, it's reflected in the houses. You'll see a lot of houses mm. where there's just, if they're immaculately kept and they have these 
passive aggressive, you know, clever signs about making sure your dog doesn't crap on their property. Right. There's a lot of that. And then you have the houses that have porches absolutely filled to the brim with crap and like have Christmas decorations still up and haven't really fully recovered from whatever the last storm was. And, you know, yeah, those are homes where I would expect people that are just kind of subsistence living. Good point. Exist. Yeah. Yeah, Like the 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 more like bungalow feeling. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and those also those homes also exist on the strip where the beach is, too. Mm -hmm. So. So, yeah, it it is a pleasure to experience that, especially in the summertime. Because that yeah. is when that type of life philosophy thrives. When those thrives. people are out, for sure. Yeah. Well, we, I guess passing through Broad Channel, then getting down to the beach, we met somebody that I think fits that description. That's right. We met a guy named Seaside. Yes. He's named Seaside because he'll see your side if you see his side. Yeah. It's a quote from Seaside. Yeah. We, had, we were walking along the boardwalk. And Jesse noticed a man biking very slowly <laughs> with a construction boombox. Yeah, one of those DeWalt boomboxes in his bike basket. Yeah. Listening to Endless Love by... The Bangles. The Bangles. I think it's Endless Love. Is that Love. what song it was? It was definitely a song by The Bangles. And it was a, it was a nice, yeah. sweet song yeah and jesse was enamored with him and well we didn't take a picture or stop him but then he came back and he was listening to it was a classic rock station yeah so he jesse decided to he had stopped with his bike and jesse decided to ask if she could take a picture yeah and at that point i told him i liked his setup i liked how he had his construction boombox playing in his bike basket and he seemed real like he was just enjoying his time yeah and yeah then we realized that he's a beach preacher mm-hmm. which is not a coin a not which is not a term that seaside coined it's actually a term that i coined and i'm quite proud of it <laughs> you coined it here for this moment i don't know if it exists oh it probably, i'm sure it exists yeah yeah but he was a he was a pleasure to interact with. He seems like the type of person that you can have fifteen fantastic minutes of interaction with. Yeah. And uh, we had about seven minutes of interaction with him, so it was very pleasant. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. His one of his first questions for us was if we knew how to set up a GoFundMe page, because he had lost his teeth at some point and he was looking to figure out a way to make that happen. Right. But then Mike gave him. A sticker and said, "I, you know, I don't know how to do the GoFundMe thing, but if if you want to contact us online, we'd be more than happy to stay in touch." And he said, "Oh, I don't use the, I don't get on the computer, I don't need that, I don't go in that world. I stay right here in the real world." And we didn't say it, but we were both thinking, like, "Well, that's the first step to setting up a GoFundMe page is to get on the computer, yeah, <laughs> or at least have some sort of access to the internet." Yeah. So. So I he, don't know how that's going to work out for yeah, him. But. He had a whole bag of homespun axioms that he was throwing out at us that were enjoyable. And yeah. We were we were on his level, so he seemed to have a nice interaction. Yeah. We were looking out for him the rest of the week. We didn't see him. But that's okay. He 
exists on the beach. Yeah, I'm sure he's, it seems like he just cruises up and down the boardwalk on his bike with his radio and yeah, he seems happy to, happy to chat. He yeah. said he likes to spread the, spread the good word. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that takes us to the boardwalk in general. We did go over another bridge, which we went over on week two, mm -hmm. which is another nice bridge to walk over. Right has some good views of the train again and some jet skis which if you ever want to do some jet skiing it looks like you can go down there and rent them so, yeah so that's cool and the boardwalk itself this the area that we walked was from 94th street which is where we stopped in week two all the way up till the end on yeah. 9th street and yeah it's it's very pleasant to walk the design of that boardwalk, I mean, we're using boardwalk just because that's what it's called, but oh, it's yeah, concrete. Oh, yeah, it's not boards. Yeah. Yeah. And it is done in such a way that they have these waves, wavy lines, and they go forever. And I, I really think that whoever thought it was better, designed it so that it had these you know, one cycle of a wave and then the next block is another cycle of a wave and it creates this visual of waves going all the way up and down the beach. Just such a simple but elegant way to do it because it, I don't know, it might have been cheaper to just do the like, you know, rectangular blocks all the right. way up and down, but to have this visual that mirrors what's going on naturally outside was a smart idea. Yeah, it's quite nice. And it also... There's two bike lanes on the left that have straight lines. So it also is a very simple visual indicator of where you this should be walking. This is where walking. you walk and this is where you bike, yeah. yeah. And so we walked the length of that. Most days we got off at 38th Street mm -hmm. or got on at 38th Street. But one day we went all the way down as part of our going to Far Walkaway and Bayswater a little bit more yeah. and things like that. Yeah, and it's cool, the edge of the boardwalk. I'd never been that far down. And you can see the bridge that goes out to Long Beach. Mm -hmm. And it butts up right against Nassau County there. Mm -hmm. And it's very different over where we usually go and where we had been walking previously. The beach access is a little bit bigger and there's lifeguards and it's, I wouldn't say it was crowded most days this week, but there's more people and there's surf camps and there's families and all that, all the stuff that comes at the beach. And then further down lower in numbers of Beach Street, it was a smaller beach access, but also much less people mm -hmm. and felt sort of, Felt like a like a secret spot. It felt like if you know about it, you're like sneaking in, you know, in the know or something. It right. felt a little more private. Yeah, I think there's less parking around there, so that's why people don't go. Mm. And it's further out on the train, so people are less inclined to do that as well. But yeah, I would definitely go out there. Yeah. If it's just that there's no like concessions, you know, no right no drinks or food or things like that so i think and you know people when they go to the beach they like to watch other people too so there's less mm -hmm. of that happening as well 
but if you just want to have the beach to yourself yeah. or or in a smaller setting, that's definitely the place to go. Yeah, which especially these days on a nice day when you're trying to go out to the beach, you don't want to be around people. So yeah, it's a good tip for those of you that are listening. Yeah. Now, another area we covered too, we're going kind of, we're deviating from the direction of the route that we went because we, we hit the boardwalk first rather than second. But there is also the other coast of this section mm-hmm. and there are towns or you know, subtowns like uh, Arvern and Wavecrest and Edgemere and Bayswater mm-hmm. that exist on the other side. Really like, I don't know, three, four avenues. It's a very narrow strip of land. Right. But there, there's no beach over there. That's, I don't know if that's the Jamaica, I guess it's Jamaica it Bay. It's the Jamaica Bay. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't seem like there's very much access to it. Yeah. And so we walked around there. That's in the heat. It's pretty... It beats down. The sun beats down pretty yeah, hard. Not a ton of trees. No. It's a lot of uh, city housing. And there was some the Edgemere Farm, which kind of looks yeah, interesting. Yeah, that seems like a nice place. It looks like the Edgemere Farm is, I did a little bit of research on it. It seems to be completely run by volunteers. Mm-hmm. And it was set up because that area of the Rockaway Peninsula is considered a food desert, which means there's no access to fresh produce Mm -hmm. out there. So, yeah, so some volunteers, I forget when, it was less than 10, I think it was less than 10 years ago, but maybe more than six. (laughs) I think it was in the early 2010s that they started running that. And it's a space for people both to learn about how to grow vegetables and then also there's a farmer's market a couple times a week and people can volunteer to come help out and there might be some sort of trade for produce that I was seeing. And they also supply produce to local restaurants mm. and they also take in food waste. So they're trying to set up these circular programs mm. so that local restaurants can be getting their food or their produce from there and then bringing their compost there and which will help grow more food and and supply to the neighborhood as well um so that's that's the story of edgemere farms cool (laughs) yeah so that was cool there's also a lot of elevated tracks again which Mm -hmm. is a theme throughout the entire month and there's this beautiful arched area walking around the 70s and 80s that we would encounter every day we took some video there and it feels like roman in a way because it's not particularly tall and it's all stone so that was a very pretty section we one day we went to try and go to a park around 59th street yeah what was that park called i don't recall offhand rockaway forest park or something rockaway yeah, it starts with Rockaway. <laughs> yeah, it just it looked like an area that would be fun to go check out. Yeah, it looked like a nice big green area. And yeah. It said there were trails, and we were pretty excited about it. Yeah, so we got out there, and it was, you know, we didn't really get very far in. There was a section that was, you know, fairly mowed, and it looked like there were some facilities to sit down on. And we were in there for... Less than five minutes. Yeah, less than that. And all of a sudden, we started getting bit by mosquitoes. Yeah. And what turned into just a 
a little bit of a biting quickly became a horror, <laughs> like a real hellscape of yeah. mosquitoes. The mosquitoes they were... followed us out. We ran, we we didn't run because we were whatever seventeen eighteen miles in by then. But we walked out as quick as we could, and they followed us out. There were six or seven mosquitoes on each of us, just like stuck on each of us when we got out. We were trying to wipe them off, and they were jumping off and climbing back on. And ugh. yeah, they were not. They did not care about us waving at them. No. They were there for keeps. So we basically just kept killing mosquitoes until we were clear of the situation. Yeah, it was. It not, was really it was horrifying. It was not a good situation. They were they were the type of mosquitoes that are striped, uh, not they weren't like the single colored bodied mosquitoes. Yeah. I don't know a lot about the different species of mosquitoes. I don't know anything about them in Manhattan or Manhattan in New York, but it was very unpleasant and i guess it goes to see why there were not any people over there yeah so there was a whole other section that we were going to visit that had more trails but we didn't even attempt no we never went over there and i mean it might have been partially this time of year it's also really hot maybe another time of year it would be nicer down there we will not be back there on our walks unfortunately so we won't know if it's better in yeah. the winter or something but maybe after this project's over we'll we'll try it again yeah the top three reviews on the park that i looked at after were like bring repellent oh really yeah okay well so we should have looked at that first <laughs> <laughs> but so one day we went further than we normally did out into queens to make sure that we hit far rockaway and more of Bayswater. And the, yeah, and the rest of Bayswater. Yeah. And really so see that whole area. Yeah. And that day was really nice. The that the section so there's kind of two sections of Bays Bayswater. There's one that's more like Queensy, urbany mm-hmm. area with more like large volume housing. Mm-hmm. And then you keep going, there's a park, there's Bayswater Point Park. That we went out to and there it's a lot more like almost estate homes really yeah it's really nice and quiet and everyone has a yard and yeah it kind of happens all of a sudden yeah which is i think i i was thinking about it afterwards when we were out there i was like wow this is so nice where are we i feel like i don't even know how we got here and it felt like we had walked through the back of a cabinet and just arrived there or something. But I think that's why, because we were in a more dense area, and then we walked through the Bayswater Park, which is just a regular park. And then sort of within two or three blocks, it transformed into this much more suburban, but on the Jamaica Bay yeah. area. Yeah. And it's an amazing view. There's these big houses. They each have a yard. They're all quite beautiful. And if you have one of those houses, you could look out your window and see this quiet street. And then you see the bay, which is really pretty. And then you can see the city right across the bay. And then you can also see the planes going to and from the airport because we're right near JFK at that point. Yeah. So it's like you can see everything yeah. that you would ever want to see. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was quite nice. 
And there was a lot of hermit crabs at the park. Yeah, those were those hermit crabs. Yeah, you're right. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I don't. I don't think they were hermit crabs, but they were crabs. They were tiny crabs. Tiny crabs. I don't know what kind. Hermit yeah, they crabs didn't have... live in the shell. Yeah, they, they didn't, didn't have, have shells. shells. They were like the ones that have their legs out to the side, and then the they were little, but then some of them had the big claw in yeah. the front. And they were very well disguised with the sand. Yeah. You would not know they were there. And then if you took, if you stayed still for a little bit and took one step, you would see 40 of them just like skitter. Yeah. And go into their holes. They each had their own little hole that they just kind of just came out of. And then they were so cute. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun to see. And then we walked over to Far Rockaway, which I don't know the last time I've ever been there, but it was a lot more commercial center urbany than I was expecting. Yeah, I never realized that that area was so built up. It's yeah. really like one main street. It's where the train is too, and it's where the A train terminates. Yeah. So that might be part of it. It's like a, maybe it's kind of more of a major hub than I realized. Yeah. But yeah, there were a lot of vendors set up and lots of stores and people getting on and off the train and Lots of activity and excitement there. Yeah. It so, felt kind of like the same vibe almost as if you would just take one street out of Atlantic Center. Sure. And just plop it down over near the beach. Right. It kind of felt like that same amount of energy. Yeah. So I'm glad we got a chance to go through there. Yeah. And yeah, I will just jump way back because we already, then we would take the boardwalk, which we already talked mm -hmm. about go back up the bridge yeah and the only area that we I don't I think we really haven't talked about was Howard Beach yeah but before we get there I wanted to mention while we were down in the Rockaways this week we noticed something that we had noticed on our beach trip last time mm -hmm. which were all these little wooden hearts right that were nailed up on the utility poles yeah and they had sayings on them stay strong trust the scientists we love you COVID is real wear a mask all like sort right. of uh -huh. like some were teaching some were hopeful yep. and we had noticed that before we were wondering what they were or how they got there I looked it up and it turns out that right after Sandy, a bunch of stars went up. Somebody had painted a bunch of wooden stars and put them up on the telephone poles with similar messages like, stay strong, we got this, we love you, we're here, we're all together, things mm -hmm. like that. And then this woman named Suzanne Riggs, who's a retired teacher and a member of the Rockaway Theater Company, she noticed that one of the stars on her block had been taken down one day and it was during COVID. And she mm -hmm. thought, wow, why is someone taking a star down? We kind of need that right now again. And because the stars are from Sandy years ago, but it was still, there, a lot of them are still up. But then the star was replaced. It had just been freshened up. Someone had just taken it down to repaint it and make it cleaner. And she thought, oh, well, why don't we add to it? So she had her carpenter friend from the theater cut 
50 wooden hearts and then she passed them out to some of her i guess it must have been some of her old students or mm -hmm. teens that are part of the theater and so she passed it out all along the rockaway peninsula and then had people hang them on their block nice. so that's how it got started and then i guess the broad channel followed suit so someone else over there got it started and mm -hmm. there's probably other independent people doing it as well yeah but it was nice to know where that came from and it is one woman in particular that seems to be motivating of it. the most recent round not of the, the most stars. recent round yeah. yeah no i don't think she did the stars i i don't know who who did the stars right but yeah it seems like she's inspiring the community to sort of feel like they've they can push through together right yeah we have a picture of one of the signs from week two in our instagram so mm, yeah if you're interested you can check it out there but yeah it was it, they're they're everywhere and it is unique to that section yeah. of the city so it's cool to see i saw a black lives matter one that was a square oh. i think so it's uh, even continues to iterate yeah so yeah, so from there, as I said, we went up to Howard Beach, which uh -huh. is definitely worth noting because the architecture in Howard Beach is singular. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> it has this vibe of perceived elegance on behalf of the owners Yeah. in spaces that are too small for what they're aiming for, I think. Even though there are still big spaces, it's just a lot of like French garden sculptures and giant pillars and things yeah, like that. Yeah, lots of um, really landscaped bushes and things like that too. Yeah. So it's a pleasure to walk through. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And we took some video of that, so there's mm -hmm. just a small sampling of what it looks like. But it, there is a, that happens in different spots all around the city. It seems to happen more extravagantly near water. I think like Brighton Beach also comes to mind when I think right. of this sort of thing. And it's, yeah, so it's a, it's a real pleasure to see those homes. Yeah, it's like, Kind of like, remember like the game Pretty Pretty Princess, <laughs> where you would get all dressed up, but everything is plastic. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, I, I'm making some kind of comparison to that, where like, it's really, it's like, in some ways, it's really nice. It's very nice to look at, but it's also like, hollow mm -hmm. <laughs> in a way too. And just also just kind of bizarre, like like you said there's like so much crammed into the spaces it's really it's really kind of overwhelming yeah slightly different in some way than homes we saw other weeks in queens that are similar like last week we saw some homes where people are using prefab pillars mm -hmm. and things like that mm -hmm. but they all look a lot similar to each other. They're all extravagant and they're kind of like 60 to 75% the same from house to house. Right. Whereas the ones here, they're not really the same. No. Next, they're, 
There are there are some that are subdued, and then there are some that are more over the top. Yeah. And they're all pretty distinguished from each other. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely themes. Like like I said, there's the trimmed hedges, and there's also, like you said, these sculptures, sort of like French garden feeling. But the sculptures are all different. Mm-hmm. So in other in other neighborhoods, it looks like maybe there was a catalog passed around that people picked out what they wanted. Whereas in this neighborhood, it's like maybe there were ten sculptors, but everyone had their own different design to give those ten sculptors. Right. <laughs> and they're really because really they're also I don't even know where you would get those sculptures made. Like there was. A girl walking her dog, hiding behind a lamppost sculpture right. in one person's yard. And then there is a, a young angel boy, like a cherub mm-hmm. that's lifting off. But then there's some kind of animal behind him. Like they're all very, right. Not they're not standard sculptures at all. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice to see. Yeah. One more area we should talk about before we get on the train and go home for the week. Yeah. That's the hole. The hole. The hole is a lot of things. I think the hole, most of all, is the most irredeemably named area of the city I can think of. So far. You know, Hell's Kitchen, a hundred years ago, seemed like an area that you could never redeem mm. real estate was. I mean, it's hell in it. Right. It's kitchen. Sounds hot. Sounds yeah. bad. Hell's Gate. Hell's Gate. Yeah. You know, these are areas that now people live in. Sure. People could be trendy even. Yeah. The hole. The hole. Is, I, there's, there's no way to, there's no way to spin the hole. Nobody wants to live in the hole as far as. I mean, there are people that live there, so I don't, I mean, no disrespect to people that live in the hole. They might want to live there. But I think it's named the hole, as far as I can tell, because it must be at a lower elevation than areas around it. Yeah. And also, it has a very confusing section of streets. Yeah. Well, we also saw a sinkhole. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There is a, there, it, there was one section where it had not rained for days and yet there was still an impassable amount of water. Yeah. And in addition to that, it is the only area in the city I've ever seen where mobile homes are present without it being an issue. Right. And my understanding of the city is you're not allowed to park your mobile home within the city limits. It seems that there is some sort of tacit understanding between law enforcement and the people of this area that they can have their mobile homes there. So it's a, we had never visited the hole prior to this week. I didn't even know it existed. We went there because it's a very small section on Google Maps and we thought we should go check it out. Yeah, what is it, maybe maybe 10 blocks long and yeah. four blocks wide? Yeah. Yeah. And so we went there and it's mostly there's like not a lot of concrete. The dirt has kind of taken yeah, over. Yeah, roads. A lot of beautiful trees and like reeds. Mm-hmm. It feels like I was saying I felt like all of a sudden we were walking in the panhandle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
There's a lot of, you could hear chickens around and mm -hmm. there was, we stopped there. The first day we were there, a car pulled up next to us and there was an old woman asking for directions. And it was really touch or go whether she was experiencing senility or not. Yeah. But she was looking to get to another part of Queens. Yeah, she was trying to get to Jamaica. Yeah, and we, for the life of us, could not give her directions. Well, well we knew where it was. We, we were like, well, it's just over there. But then I looked at the map, and to get just over there on a diagonal, all the roads going that direction merge with roads that go the opposite direction. So you kind of had to go back out and scoot around and like turn your like do multiple miles of turning yeah. to get to where she was trying to go it was almost like she would have been better off walking over there to be honest yeah and i think the there was one way that could have been easier but it was through the lake that was right. generated in the middle of this area yeah there was no way that wouldn't have been a good yeah. idea. Yeah, so it was, and it was also very difficult. She was having a hard time grasping what we were saying, so it was very difficult to describe to her what was going on. Uh, ultimately, Jesse did try to give her some directions, and she she went away. Yeah, hopefully she made it. Yeah, but yeah, it was a really interesting area to visit. I I don't know. I would. It'd be nice to talk to somebody that lives down there to see what they how they got there and what you know. Yeah. What it. It was like to live there, but yeah. Yeah, but that was the hole. That's the hole. I think we should wrap up the episode for this week. Okay. We do have one more thing that we want to talk about, but it's not related to the walk. So we'll maybe just talk about it as a separate segment. Okay. But if you are interested in The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, we'll make a separate video on YouTube, some exclusive content. We have some thoughts. It, you say it's not related to the walk. I disagree. I have some thoughts on how it's related to the walk, just as far as what it means to be an athlete. And... I think it's related to the walk at a high level. I don't think it's related to South Queens. Oh, it's not related to South Queens at all, no. <laughs> but we've reached a point in the time where if we are to talk about this, it will exceed the length of the podcast typically. So okay. I think that I would highly encourage anybody that just listens to the podcast to find this section on YouTube that's coming up. But yeah, you're going to have to you have to work a little bit harder than normal to find it. Okay. That's but fair. we want to make it at a, a level of time that makes sense for me editing and makes sense for you listening. So yeah. So thanks so much for listening. We are going to Manhattan for the month starting next week. So I hope you're ready for a shift in gears. Yeah. As we hit the, the main borough of New York City. All of August will be in Manhattan. Yeah. And next week is Midtown. So we're excited to go there and we're excited for you to come along and join us. But thanks so much for watching and listening. Bye. Take care.